You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. Man, y'all are on fire this morning. That's good. Keep up the good work. Y'all hang up with me. It's uh, whew, It's been a good. Uh, it's been a long morning for me, anyway. I've been up since two o'clock. That baby won't sleep. I'm telling you. He won't sleep. But anyway, it's good. It's good anyway. Y'all be with me. I just want to let y'all know, just in case y'all noticed my eyes were bloodshot, that's why they're bloodshot this morning. It wasn't because I fell back to who I once was. This morning, we're going to be in Psalms 51. We're continuing through the series of God Honestly, of showing what a true, honest relationship with God looks like. So many times, the way we perceive what a relationship with God looks like is so different than how a relationship with God should look like. And David uh, wrote this psalm, Psalm 51, and um, it's such an iconic psalm, but also it shows what a true heart is for God. Um, before we go any further, let's, let's just pray, if you don't mind. Father God, we thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for um, what you've been doing here. And God, I thank you for what you're doing right now in people's hearts. I pray, God, you would prepare our hearts, Lord, that we would um, really and honestly think about what we were singing a while ago, that you are a good, good father. That God, we we were crying out saying that we love you, God, and I pray that our actions would show that we love you. I pray, God, that, that our whole being would cry out to you, Lord, I love you. Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing here. I pray, God, you prepare our hearts, Lord. I thank you for changing me this week through this message, and God, I pray that you would change hearts today. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You know, I always, uh, always say that you got to preach the message to you before you can preach it to anybody else. Amen? Amen. And, and this week, God really hit me between the eyes with it. Twice, matter of fact. I'll tell you one story uh, in the message, but um, it was just like, one thing that, that we don't like to do as, as, as people, as Americans, is we don't like to, to be told when we're wrong. We don't like to be told that we need to change anything because we got it all figured out, right? And if we don't have it figured out, we're going to lie and fake it and make everybody think we got it figured out. And here in, in, in the Psalms, you see a real relationship with God is how a man that, that had, was faking it, and everybody, he had everybody else fooled, but he didn't have God fooled. I want to ask you a question this morning. What's the biggest lie you've ever told? Don't, don't tell it out loud. But what's the biggest lie? Think about it right now. Just what's the biggest lie that you've told this week or maybe this morning? Some of you self-righteous people are like, I haven't lied this week. You just lied to yourself. The thing is, I think one of the biggest lies we tell every single day and every single week is that we love God. We say we love him. We were just singing that, Lord, I love you. But do we really love God? How we respond to sin is what really shows God how much we love him. God says, if you love me, you will obey me. And if we're not obeying God, then we're sinning against God. And we kind of we complicate sin. We, you know, we kind of trivialized the whole term sin of, 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 uh, of making it less than what it is. All sin is, is is an overarching term that covers everything that does not please God. You know, sin offends God. 
So if we're saying we're a follower of Christ, we're saying we're following Jesus, we're saying we read this word and we're, and, and, we're, and we're studying and we're reading it and we're following Christ and going by the book, but yet our lives doesn't show it, does that tell God that we love him? It doesn't. It doesn't. And it, it gets me because where we are right now in America and where we are in the church is where we have trivialized sin so much to where it don't matter. We don't feel like sin matters. Us not pleasing God matters. We feel like the only thing that matters, as long as we come to church, we good. As long as I read my Bible, we good. We make this religious checklist, but God doesn't have our heart sometimes. And I struggle with this because it breaks my heart. The God that created us desires relationship with us, relationship with you. And a relationship with, with just mere words is not a relationship at all, is it? My wife can tell me she loves me all day long, but if she doesn't respect me, if, she do, if my wife is, is doing other things, if, if she is committing adultery, that's not telling me that she loves me, right? How many things has our attention? How many other things are we distracted on? What sins are we using that's committing adultery against God? I'm reminded this week of Revelation chapter 3. But what made me think about that is how Matthew, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says, you should love your Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. We should love him with all that, every bit that is within us, then that would show, right? That would, the world would know, right? People know that I love my wife because when we pull up somewhere, I open the door for her. That I'm not ashamed to be affectionate to my wife. Some of us are ashamed to even pray in public. Some of us are ashamed to even acknowledge, for, let people know that work with us that we're a Christian because I really, our actions hadn't shown that. As I read about this, I was thinking about the church in Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. I, it just began to it just hit me and he said, these words are so sober. And he says, Jesus says, look, I know your deeds. You're, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. He says, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you don't wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know what time I will come to you. And he's speaking to the church to start us, but I think this morning he's speaking to the Christian in America right now. He's speaking to us, telling us to wake up. Following God is so much more, so much more than just coming to church. It's so much more than putting a Christian bumper sticker on your car. It's so much more than wearing a cross on your neck. It's about loving a God that created you, Amen. It's about following him. And how many of us, we paint this picture like we got it all together, but God's saying, hey, look here, I know your deeds. God knows your heart. You may have everybody else fooled, but you're not fooling God. You're not fooling God. And he says, look, I mean, he, he's compassionate. He says, you, you, I know your deeds. He says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. 
We can look the part. People can think that we've got it together. People can think that we're a Christian. People can think that we're a good, godly person. But what does the inside show? What does the heart show? Does my God know that I love him? He says, wake up. Wake up. It's time for us to wake up. Lord, it's time for a lot of us to wake up. And realize that there's more to following God than just being religious. There's more to following God. When I say I love you, do you mean it to God? I got to thinking this week, I said, you know, if I was put on trial, if I was put on trial to God, and, 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 and they went and asked my family, my coworkers, the man at the gas station that sees me pretty regular, if they asked him, does Jeremy love God? What would he say? And if they interviewed God and said, does Jeremy Lindsay love you? What would God say? Would those two answers be the same? Would it be in your life? Would it be in your life? See, the matter of the heart of if we love God shows if we're going to obey God. Sin is important because sin in our life shows where we are. Sin offends God, so if we are constantly, if we don't care about sin, if we're just doing it, if we don't care about God, then we're going to do whatever we want to do, and it doesn't matter. And if I say I love God, then I don't want to hurt him. If I say I love God, I don't want to let him down. If I say I love God, I don't want to make him upset. I, mean, I think about my daddy. I mean, I knew that... that, it, that Man, if I upset my daddy, bad stuff was going to happen. Amen? Some of y'all didn't have a daddy like mine. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, I don't want to upset God. Not because I'm worried about what he's going to do. I'm not worried. I better not, I better not make him mad because he's going to give me cancer. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about not pleasing God because I don't want him to be upset with me. Why? Because I love him. Because I love him. See, when I think about that, I think about David. When he writes this psalm, Psalm 51, he writes this psalm after he was confronted with his sin. David was a man that was known by God to be a man after his own heart. He was sold out to God. God had brought him from the field. He had brought him from the field to the palace. He went from rags to riches. And God had, God had just done so much in his life. And when he got to the end of his life, when he got right up to the end of his life, he wrote that psalm closer to the end. And when he got there, he looked back and he seen what God had done through this sinful thing that he did. David was following God all through. We talked about him being in the cave. He followed last week. God, he was following God. He was intentionally following God. But when he, he gets to a place to where he's comfortable, see, a lot of us have been fighting it. We've been fighting and fighting and fighting. God, we've been praying, we've been on our knees with God. But when we get to a place where we're comfortable, that's when we're vulnerable, y'all. We get to a place to where we think we've got it all figured out. And that's when Satan tries to fool us and make us think that, hey, it's good. You don't have to do that anymore. You know, the way you talked before, that really mattered. But right now, it don't matter. See, David, in, first, in 2 Samuel chapter 11 is where the story is beginning to be unfolded. 
David is at a place to where he should have been with all the warriors, but instead he was at home. See, that's, the, that's when I find that Satan attacks so many of us. It's when we should be doing what God told us to do. Instead, we're just being lazy. We're just doing something else. What's the thing that the grandma used to say? Idle hands is a devil workshop. Or idle mind, either one. But he, was, he was not, wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, but yet he, he, he allowed himself to be lazy. And in that laziness, in that, in that really just time where he was just backing up, not, not really pursuing Satan came in and tempted him. He, get, he gets on a roof, and when he's on this roof, he looks down, and he sees a woman named Bathsheba down there bathing. And instead of looking away, he indulges himself. He looks. He, he begins to, to think about that woman, and it, it, it just turns more and more and more. He calls his, his, his uh, associates, and they go, and they get this woman. They bring him to, her, to him, and he sleeps with her. When he's done, he sends her back home. This woman was married. So now that, 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 that one little sin that we could categorize as little, that sin turned into not, not just one, but multiple sins. David thought it was good. He had done had his fun. It was over with it. He, it was it. He didn't have no remorse it or anything. And then he began, then that woman came and sent him word that she was pregnant. Uh-oh. Everybody's going to find out. They're going to find out what I did. What happens when most of the time, when we're not remorseful, we just want to fix the problem. We do anything we can to fix the problem, right? That's what David did. He calls the battle. He calls his, his, her husband in, Uriah. Uriah comes in. He's like, man, I'm so, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. I, you know, just, this is the Jeremy Lindsay paraphrase, by the way, just in case you're looking for that in the Bible. He says, he says go home and be with your wife. You deserve it. And Uriah, being a man of integrity, he was like, I can't do that. I've got warriors in the field. I've got warriors out there fighting. How can I go home and be with my wife when they have not had the opportunity to do the same? So he wouldn't go. So David said, so David said all right, he's getting, he's getting desperate. So he gets him drunk. Okay, I'll get him drunk and I'll send him home and it'll all work out. He gets him drunk, he takes him, and he sets him at the doorstep of his house and leaves. Guess what? That man had so much integrity, he wouldn't even, as a drunk man, go inside. So David... Just, just so worried. People are going to find out what he did. They turn around and he sends him with a note to the commander. When he gets to the battlefield, the, the commander reads the note and the note says, to send Uriah to the fiercest, most hottest part of the battle. And when everything gets, gets really, really intense, to back away and allow Uriah to die. And that's what they did. The moment that word got back to David, what had happened that Uriah was dead, he went and he got Bathsheba and brought her back and married her. So it would look like the baby was conceived legitimately. He thought that everything, he thought that it was worked out. Whew, I made it through hell. How many of you have done that? You've done something wrong. You know, you, you know that God's not happy with you, but nobody knows about it. So you think, okay, as long as I don't say anything, it's going to be Okay. And if, if in that moment, if, you're, if your conscience isn't eating you alive, then something's wrong with your heart. But at that moment, David thought everything was good. Nine months went by. David hadn't repented. David hadn't told God he was sorry. He had no remorse in his heart. And then here comes old Nathan, the prophet. David sent Nathan to confront him of his sin. And when Nathan was there, he, was, he told a story. And he said, David, he said, David look, there's a man. He had... 
He was a rich man. He had all kind of sheep, just like David had all kind of wives. He said, but he didn't, there was a poor man that just had one sheep, like Uriah, just had one wife. He said, the rich man didn't want didn't to didn't sacrifice his sheep, so instead he went and stole the poor man's and took it from him. David was so upset, he was so enraged about that, he said, that man must pay for it fourfold. How dare he do that? And Nathan looks at him, he said, well, you know what, David, you're the man. You're the man. And in that moment, when David, the scales fell off his eyes. You know, we can be blind to sin. We can be so caught up in our life and doing life that we're just blinded by it. And we don't realize that, we're, that what we've been doing has been wrong until it's been brought to our attention. But when, in that moment, is when we respond to, in that moment, how we respond to that shows what truly has our heart. What truly has our heart. I had a moment this week. And I, I, I struggle with telling you guys this. But I, I, I want to be transparent. I want you guys to know that, that I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm a pastor. I'm not up here. We're all on the same field. We're all fighting the same battle. We're all fighting the same enemy. We're all living for the same God, but all of us struggle. And this week I was at the gas station. And I was at the gas station. This guy uh, came up to me that, that had, uh, was going to fix the roof on my house. And when he came up to me, he was like, hey, man, I know I hadn't made it out there yet, and, but, but, you know, as soon as it cools off, I'm going to come fix it. And, and in that moment, I, I don't blame it on lack of sleep, blame it on whatever, but I lied. I was like, yeah, man, that's, that's good. That's fine. Just, just let me know and come on. And when I got to the truck, it dawned on me that I done got my roof fixed. That somebody else done it. That he never did come. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I have lied to this man. And I'm the preacher. You know, and I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And I'm I'm sitting there, finished pumping my gas, and I'm like, you know what? When I finish pumping this gas, you know, come on, putting excuses out there, come on. When I finish pumping this gas, I'm going to go tell it, talk to him. I was about $32 in it, and that jerker pulled out. And I was like, well, I missed my opportunity. And I, as I rode from Galen's to the church office to prepare for this message, God's like, how can you preach Psalm 51 when you're not willing to deal with your own sin? And I walk in the office and Dallas is like, what's wrong with you? I was like, man, I told him what happened. He was like, man, this is killing you. I said, yeah, it is. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. And I sat there and I sat there and I sat there and I walked out, the, walked out of the church office to get in the truck and I'm fighting it. I mean, my pride is like, Jeremy, you can't, you can't admit that you're wrong. What, what, he's going to tell people that you lied to him. Well, good luck. I just told everybody, okay? They can tell what everyone wants to tell. And I'm fighting this battle inside myself and then all of a sudden, I see his truck turn. Now, I never see this guy. He turns. I was like, you know what? Pick up the phone. I was like, hey, brother, I just want to let you know something. A while ago, and I just spilled it. I said, a while ago when I seen you, I just, I'm sorry. I lied. I didn't mean to lie, but this is what's going on. I, I throw the whole thing out. You know, I blame my youngin of not sleeping and my mind being messed up. <laughs> he was like, oh, he said, it took him back for a second, and he was like, no, nah, man, that's, that's fine. That's fine. It's, it's fine. But the moment I hung up the phone with him, I was broken for what I had done. I was broken. And some of you look at me like, that ain't no big deal. You didn't kill nobody. I know, but it was killing me. 
Because no matter if you've committed murder or you lied, that still does not please God. And that's still an offense to God and God still does not like that. And how you respond to that shows the intention out of your heart. And in that moment, I was also praising God because thank you, Lord, my conscience was so strong. Thank you, Lord, that that, that moment, was, it was a defining moment for me. Because it's like, God, I do love you. That, that's proof that I love you because I reacted in a way that was remorseful. Do you act that way? Are, are you remorseful when you sin? When you do things that don't please God, are you remorseful? Does it bother you? Does it bother you? See, we, we live in an age right now where it's all hyper grace. It's all about, oh, well, well Jesus died for my sins and, 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 you know, it's okay that I did that. No, it's not okay that you did that. A lot of times we make a mockery of the cross, of just trampling, on the, just trampling all over the cross because we're not living a life that pleases God. We want to say that, God, yes, Jesus died for our sins, past, present, and future, but not for us to live any way we want to live. Amen? Oh, y'all low now. It was good morning. That was, yeah. Y'all mumbling like the old boy on the video. But those times, guys, what does it show about your heart? And we live in that church age right now to where it's about going to church. It's about how I feel, not about the God I'm pursuing, not about the intentionality of my heart, not about me really truly loving the God that made me. And how we deal with sin shows our heart. And when I look at this, when David, when I look at Psalms 51, I'm just, I'm just shocked at David. He had it all. He could have, he could have killed Nathan and said, and nobody else would have known about it. But yet David was so broken because he loved God so much. And he realized that he offended God, that he was going to do whatever it took to please God. I'm going to ask you something this morning. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to please God? Are you willing? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? In Psalm 51, I just, I just love how this goes. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. He says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. In the, in the beginning part of this, David, first he acknowledges that there was a problem. He acknowledges that there is sin in his life. For change to happen in our lives, we've got to acknowledge that there's a problem. So many of us are so prideful, we won't admit that we've got a problem. We won't admit that we are wrong. We won't admit that there's an issue here. But David's, David's broken in this. He's like, God, have mercy on me. You know why David is so broken? Because he's seen God's faithfulness over and over and over. He was pursuing God. How can we be pursuing God so much and then all of a sudden fall off the deep end? You know why? Because it's little by little. It's, the, it's a slow fade. 
It's the little things you do. It's the little bait that you take time and time again. Eventually, you've hardened your heart and you're not hearing the word of God. You're not hearing the voice of God because you've over time hardened your heart to it. You keep telling God no. Eventually, you're not going to hear him say nothing at all. How many of us in here are not hearing the word of God, not hearing God speak to us because we've told him no for 20 years? How many of us? How many of us? God doesn't want your attendance. He wants your heart. And in this, David acknowledges that there's a problem. When he says, blot out my transgressions, I mean, blot out is a, is a term about debt. He's talking about blot out my debt. Blot, blot this out. Take this away from me, he's saying. Scratch it off the board. Lord, take this away. Blot out my transgression. A transgression is, is like when you rebel, it's sin. It's, it's an offense before God. He's saying, Lord, wipe away these things. Wash me. Wash away all my iniquity. I mean, that word wash was, in, in the Hebrew, it was used multiple times by cleansing, like washing dirty clothes. How many of you know that, that washing clothes, it don't just all of a sudden happen? You know, you don't throw, the wa throw them in the washing machine and then press the button and take them right back out and they clean. If they do, then I want one of your washing machines. It's a process, right? It's a process. Wash me. The process don't get started, though. The washing don't get started until you realize there's a problem, until you recognize there's an issue, until you cry out to God and say, have mercy on me, God. Cleanse me. It's your heart this morning for God to cleanse you. Because it is mine. Wash me, he says. And he says, then cleanse me from my sin. And that word cleanse is like a defilement. If they, if they touched a dead body, if there, was, if there was some kind of illness, the people were, were defiled and to be cleansed, there was a process you had to go through. He said, Lord, cleanse me. Cleanse me. David was so broken. He's like, he's like God, I acknowledge there's a problem. And then now he's pleading for forgiveness. See, that's, a pro, that's, that's something that we don't like to do. We, we, want, we want to acknowledge, yeah, Lord. Oh, Lord, how many times have you heard this? Oh, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many of you heard that? How many people have used that as a, as, a, as a crutch of why they sin, of why they do the things they do? They, 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 they're continually rebelling against God, but they use that and they're saying, you know what, I, you know, I'm, I'm, going, I'm a sinful man. Okay, I am too. But the difference between me and you is that I am trying to pursue God. I love him. The difference between a person that loves him and doesn't is how you respond to sin, how you respond to those things. And he was pleading for forgiveness. Man, I want to tell you, before I even called that guy this week, I was pleading to God for forgiveness for that. It broke me. God, help me. Lord, forgive me. Are you like that? Over something so small in our own mind. Lying is so small. But to God, it's just as equal to killing someone. No sin is big. No sin is small to God. Everything that we do that doesn't please God offends him. So he, was, he acknowledged there was a problem. He started pleading for forgiveness. See, and that's what I, I, I just, I love about this. In verse three, he says, look, I have transgressed against you. You only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And these people that are just so far on the spectrum of saying Jesus died for my sins and I can do anything I want to do. They, they, they forget that even though that, 
Even though God died, Jesus died for our sins, doesn't mean we can keep on sinning, does it? Come on, does it? I know you didn't want to admit that, but I mean, come on. It doesn't mean we can keep on sinning. It doesn't mean we can keep on living a life that doesn't please him. Jesus died so that we, I'm telling you, we couldn't make it. We couldn't make it without Jesus. We couldn't make it to heaven without Jesus. Jesus died so that we could have life and have it more abundantly, not just not continue to be bound and, and held down by the sin that doesn't please God. Man, I want to tell you what's so freeing. When you're following God and you're really, you're really shunning sin from your life, you're growing closer to Christ. Who is so much more joy in life? There's so much more freedom in that. And you see a lot of Christians, people that call themselves Christians, they're just, they're just angry, they're mad, they don't seem happy. You know why? Because they're eat up with sin and they're not shunning it. They're just indulging in it. I see people that are happy. When I see people that are happy following Christ, let me tell you something. When they've done something that offends God, they are on their knees saying, Lord God, forgive me. Because they love him. See, when we, when we plead for forgiveness, the next thing is that, that we're being restored. God restores us when, we, when, we, when we've admitted there's a problem. God restores us. But see, restoration only happens when we return to God. We can't say, God, I'm sorry, and keep on doing the same thing. How many of you have done that? We come to the altar, we say, Lord, Lord God, just, just help me with this problem. And you get up and you're still doing the same stuff that, that you laid at the altar. We want to ask God to, to help us with our lust, but yet we won't turn our head when a woman walks by. We want to ask God to, to help us with our finances, but we're not even giving God the money he's, he's already given us. We're not tithing. We're not doing those things. God didn't give us this book to hold us down. He gave us this book to, to free us, to show us what it means to follow him. And I'm preaching better than y'all letting on this morning, but Okay. There we go. <laughs> but restoration begins when we return. See, in that next part, in verse 8, he says, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. He's saying, God, when you, when you restore me, Lord, God, when you restore me, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Let me tell you something. When you have realized that you have that, that you've fallen short and you realize that your life is not pleasing God, you are crushed by it when your heart is really to love God. And through the crushing of your spirit, you can rejoice in that because it's like, God, thank you for that moment because it brought me to my senses. How many of you have had that moment? Can I get an amen? How many of you have been thankful for that moment? Now, when you're in that moment, it's not that fun. When you have to admit that you're wrong, it's not that fun. But man, when God gives you that peace that goes beyond all understanding, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, he talks about how when, when, we're, when we're restored to him, verse 10 is talking about creating me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Man, I pray that at least once a week. God created me a pure heart. God, God if there's any sin in me, God, take it out. Show me where it is because I want to know because I'm walk blameless before God. Created me a new heart. 
me tell you something. You in your own power cannot have a new heart. God's got to give it to you. God's got to create in you that heart, but you have to desire that. I love that next part. He said, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Oh, that's what I need. So many times I'm walking through life and I'm on an emotional roller coaster. Oh, I'm doing good and I'm doing bad. I'm doing good and I'm doing bad. And, I, and, I, and I'm fighting. What's going on? Lord, Lord, give me a steadfast spirit. Lord, help me be constant. Lord, help me, Lord, not be pursuing you one day and not the next. God, give me a constant spirit, a steadfast spirit that is, that is just even keel, pursuing you every single day. How many wants a, a, a steadfast spirit this morning? Half of you, all right? I'm telling you, I need a steadfast spirit. I need, God, I want to pursue you every day. God, help me. Not when I wake up in the morning, I ain't, I've had two hours of sleep and the young and screaming and, and Sabrina's mad because I hadn't got up yet. Lord, I want a steadfast spirit. In that moment, I want to be able to be just as hungry for you right then as it is when everything's going good. I want a steadfast spirit. Do you desire a steadfast spirit this morning? He says, Lord, don't cast me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. And man, when I read that, that just, that just, per, just it hits my heart. It's because I think about, think about David. He saw his predecessor, whatever that word is, predecessor. He's seen Saul. He's seen how God was, was blessing Saul. He's seen how God was doing that. But Saul chose not to obey God. And God removed his spirit from him. And David was like, Lord, I know I've messed up, but please don't take your spirit from me. I honestly believe that the horrors and terrors of hell is not fire and brimstone. It's because God's spirit won't be there. I choose not to go. I choose to follow God because I want more of God, not because I don't want to go to hell. God desires men and women that are pursuing him, not because you're avoiding hell, because you love him, because you desire him. How awful would it be to me, it would be horrible to live a life without the presence of God around you. To spend eternity without any influence of God around us. That is what, that, that would be horrific to me. That, 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 that's what he's saying, God, don't remove your presence from me. He says, restore me for the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When I read that, it just, it just kind of hit me. He says, restore me to the joy of your salvation. See, we always call our salvation mine, but it ain't mine. It was God's. God gave his son so that we could have salvation. He said, Lord, give me the joy of my salvation. Are you happy for what Jesus has done for you this morning? Are you happy for that? Are you thankful for that? If we're thankful for what God has done for us, then we should show it out of a loving heart to obey God. Amen? As it continues on, he says, grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Man, I'm telling you, that should be a lot of our hearts. God, give me a willing spirit. Lord, I don't want to tell you no for nothing. Lord, don't let me quench your spirit at all, God. If you're telling me I need to come down front, God, give me a willing spirit. God, if I need to, to go tell my brother, tell my sister, tell my, my neighbor about you, God, give me a willing spirit, Lord. Don't let me tell you no, Father. That's what we need in the church today. We need a willing spirit. We need people that are willing to do whatever God wants them to do, not hold back, not stop. Amen? God, give me a willing spirit. And David, when God was restoring him, David would just say, God, give me this willing spirit to sustain me. See, when you're following Christ, when you're following God, after you've been praying for forgiveness, God's restoring you and you're pleading for these things. 
And the last thing is that God uses you. You're asking for God to use you. That's what David was doing the last thing. He said, Lord, then teach me. Then I will teach, sorry. Then I will teach my transgressors. The trans Man, I can't read it all. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. He's saying, Lord, people that sin against you, Lord, I'm going to teach them. Lord, the same people that's been in the same mess that I'm in, God, I'm going to teach them. Let me tell you something. God can turn your mess into a message if you'll let him. God can let your message, all this mess, all this junk you've been in, all this, all this junk that you've done in your life, you, God brought you through that for a reason so that you can minister to somebody that's been walking down the same path. But you've got to be willing to break out of your comfort zone and say, God, use me. But you only have a heart of saying, God, use me, is when you realize what God's done for you. When you realize, God, I've messed up. God, I, you have forgiven me. God, you've restored me. Now, God, please use me. Is that where you are this morning? And David goes on in verse 17. He says, Lord, my sacrifice, oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. See, that's what he's looking for this morning. That's what he's looking for in you this morning. Are you broken because of your sin? Are you broken because of the lifestyle that you've been living? And I'm going to tell you, we can play games all day long. We can act like we got it all together. You, just because we're in a building full of people and we've, we call this a church service and we're here, you can sit here and act like you're the holiest person ever. But God knows your heart. God knows where you are. And we've got to swallow our pride sometimes and surrender that and say, God, forgive me of my pride. Help me step out in faith. God created me a new heart and made me the man that you called me to be. Made me the woman you called me to be. Amen. And it's time that we do that as a church. We come to God in a brokenness. When's the last time you've seen people really broken and crying and upset because of their sin against God? You know, I wasn't ever broken until I realized that I was redeemed. Not one time did I cry or was I upset over my sin until I realized that there was nothing that could wash away my sin but the blood of Jesus. I was never worried about what I did right and what I did wrong. It's not about right and wrong. It's about love. It's about do I love God like I say I do? We won't be the people God's called us to be until we surrender our pride till we surrender our sin, till we surrender our circumstances to him. And you know, I just, I, a lot of us would come in and we got this self-righteous attitude that I've been following God for 20 years and I, I know that I am falling short in some areas, but, but you know what? I'm working this stuff out. You can't fix you. There's nothing you can do to fix you. Won't you let God fix you today? Why don't you break that, that barrier down this morning and say, God, I've been struggling with this for 20 years. God, I've been struggling with a sexual sin for, for five years. God, I've been struggling with my attitude for five years. God, this bitterness I've been toting for my family, I've been, I've been having it for this long. God, I'm tired of it and I can't get rid of it. I give it to you this morning. He wants you to do that. The purpose of a church service is for us to come and, play, and praise God and, and worship him and leave here different and transformed. Amen. So don't, I'm telling you, refuse today to leave here the same as you came in. And it takes a choice, guys. It's a decision you make. Either you can choose right now 
to say, God, I want to serve you. God, I'm sorry for where I've been. Or you can reject him and you can leave the same way you came in. It's up to you. God really made me realize that the past couple weeks that I can preach as hard as I can, but if we're not willing to accept Christ, we're not willing to move on what he's doing, then nothing's going to happen. And I know God's speaking in your heart. I know God's speaking to your life. The question is, are you going to move on it? Or are you going to keep on rejecting God? Are you going to keep on saying, I'm, 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 I'm working this thing out myself? Or are you going to say, God, I'm tired of doing this on my own? I want to tell you, trying to fight this war by yourself is tiring. It's depressing. There's so many of us have been fighting it for so long, we think that, that we can't win. So a lot of people give up. So I was in the back. God just started writing some things on my heart. I just want to read them to you. Is it's time for us to take sin seriously. Like the sinner, like that woman who just cleaned Jesus' feet with her tears. She was kneeling at his feet just crying. We can come to Jesus right now and pour out all of our transgressions to him. All of our sin, all of our fear. We can cry those out to him this morning. Jesus came for sinners. Jesus died for sinners. Jesus lives today, guys to say to you guys that are sinners, to say to all of us, to say, look, your sins are forgiven and go in peace. See, there's freedom in the blood of Jesus. There's freedom when you realize that, that you have surrendered your life to God, that you are pursuing him every day. And, that you, and, and let me tell you something, there's freedom in knowing that you, God is pleased with you. How many of you woke up in the morning and said, you know what, I think God's happy with me this morning. So many times we walk around in condemnation. And we don't have to. We don't have to. Jesus is the only way. Only way, guys. That you can love people the way he's called us to love people. That we can forgive people the way he's called us to forgive people. Jesus is the only way your sins can be forgiven. And he's the only one that can restore you this morning. He's the one that cancels all our debts past sins, awful sins that we've committed, sins we think that God could never forgive. Because of the blood of Jesus, it can be forgiven. And it is forgiven if we choose to walk and follow Christ. How about today? Some of us step over the line we've been made in the sand for so long. And we say, you know what? Today I'm deciding to follow Jesus. I'm going to take it off the mask today. I'm taking off the, the, the fake religion that I have. I'm taking off all this junk and I'm choosing today to follow Christ. I really want God to know that I love him. I want my life to show that I love him. I want everybody around me to know that I love God because of my life. And surrendering your life to Jesus Christ is the only way that's gonna happen. Giving your life to him is the only way that's gonna happen. He's the only way that can wash us. He's the only, way, the only one that can cleanse us. And if we call on him today, you're talking about some freedom. You're talking about some peace that goes beyond all understanding. That's you today. It's like, Jeremy, I'm tired of running. I feel, I've been feeling God tearing at my heart for weeks and I haven't surrendered. God, I, 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 just, I know I need to. I know it, but I don't. God, just, just have the courage this morning to raise your, raise your hand and say, that's me. Today, I want to follow Jesus. Today, I want to surrender my life. Today, I want everyone to know that I love God and what he's done for me. If that's you today, just raise your hand. Raise your hand. 
the reality, the reality is that uh, there's lost people that leave church every week thinking that they're right with God. There's people every week that, that refuse to surrender. But really what shows if we really love God and if our life is really devoted to God is how we deal with sin. So I ask you this morning, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? What have you been hiding from everybody else? What's your dirty little secret you don't want nobody to know about? What are you hiding from this morning? Don't leave here today without giving it to God. Some people are so worried about their reputation that they don't care about their character. They're worried people might think they're crazy. They're worried people might think that They've lost touch of reality because they're following Jesus. They're worried what people think instead of worrying about where I'm going to spend eternity. I'm worried about what people are going to think instead of worrying about making sure my life is sold out to God. And if we're worried about what people think, then we're never going to please God. It's time for us as God's people to be God's people, church. It's time for us to be a people that's hungry to slay sin in our life. It's time for us to be okay with telling, telling our, our problems, telling our issues. It's, it's time for us to say, God, I surrender it all to you today, and I want to be sold out. And that's what this altar's for today. Andrew's going to play something soft in just a second. And I'm not going to beg you to respond. I want you to respond out of a heart that has been touched by God. I want you to respond out of a heart that says, God, I want to serve you more than I want my next breath. Say, God, I want, I want you to remove this stuff from my life. I want to serve you more intently. I want, to, I want my family to know that I'm a man of God. I want my wife to know that I'm a husband of God. I want, I want those things to be known about me. So God, give me that heart. And if in all the mix of this, you've realized that you really don't know Jesus, then come find me. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for David. I thank you, God, for just a, a real-life example of what it means to follow you, Lord. So many times we put the men and women in the Bible on a pedestal thinking that they're not real people, that they were just figures in this words written on a page. But, God, I know that they're real, just like I know you're real, Father. God, just move. Help us, Lord, surrender our faults. Help us, Lord, surrender our insecurities, God. Help us, Lord, be more devoted to you. God, I just pray that you would just pour out upon us, Lord. Don't allow us to stay the same. I pray, God, that all of our lives will glorify you. And Lord, I pray that if anybody in here, that their life is not, that they're living in a sinful situation, that they're continuing to, to fall and they're not turning, that God convict them. Help us, Lord, be more like you. Show us, Father, how to be more like you. In Jesus' name.